0: I love oh, that yeah. <laughs> we have such a great technical team here I got to tell you when I wrote that on my laptop in my basement it didn't look like that so I'm just uh, so proud of our technical team <clears throat> I have to tell you when I uh, when I first heard about Star Wars I was in college that's when the first movie came out and I didn't go see the movie didn't know anything about it but if you were in the mid-70s and you were around when the first Star Wars came out you just couldn't avoid the culture right you mean, you mean even if you didn't know, go see the movie you knew about you know, The Force, and R2-D2, and C-3PO, and Darth Vader, the evil villain, but I didn't know anything about it until I had my youngest son get really interested in Star Wars, and he was like picking up all the episodes, and and there were five by the time he sort of started talking to me about it, and we were waiting for that last episode of star wars to come out and i promised him i said steven as soon as that's out in the theaters i'll first day i'll get tickets ahead of time and i'll I'll take you on that first day but i was really sort of grimacing about that because i don't really like sci-fi movies i always tell tell steven i like to you know i like to see movies where people drive cars like i drive and and live in houses and eat food like i eat and and things that i can sort of understand and uh, when it gets really weird and out there i kind of lose it but I, i wanted to take him and so uh, he said, Dad, that this is going to be the last of the Star Wars movie, but really it's the third installment. And that kind of confused me, but I decided, okay, I'll go anyway. <clears throat> so I went to see Revenge of the Sith with Steven. But uh, as much as I didn't plan to get interested in it, I did get in, interested in it. Because what I saw was there was this parallel uh, a, a spiritual thing going on in the movie. And it's all about, the, the episode that I watched is all about this guy, Anakin, who was training to be a Jedi, or was a Jedi, and he was supposed to be one of the good guys, but Darth Sidious talked him into exploring the dark side. And he told him, "You need to check this out. You need the dark side." But the more you know, Anakin yielded himself to the dark side, the worse he got. Until he eventually became who? Darth Vader. That's right. He became that ugly villain that you see, and you know, looks like something like a cross between a Nazi and and uh, you know your worst nightmare or whatever. And so I, I, I thought about that. And I got to thinking about, you know, th- that's fiction, and there's no truth to it, except there's an underlying reality that does come from truth, and that is the Bible teaches us that there is a dark side, and I want to talk to you about that this morning, and what I want to talk to you about, as much as we've had a little fun with Star Wars, is not Star Wars. What I want to talk to you about is in you and in me, and we deal with it on an everyday basis, and it explains a whole lot of things that we have a hard time understanding, and I know when I bring this message, you know, this is the really, you know, the New Year's Eve message. And I know that, you know, it's snowing outside and it's a holiday weekend. And I'm a little bit insecure about bringing this message to you today because it's a message that's going to require some work on our parts. We're going we're gonna to have to do some study. And the thing that is important to me to bring this message, and I prayed about it last night and before this service, and I'll pray about it before the 11 o'clock service, is what I'm going to talk about today isn't something that you hear a lot about in church. And I don't know why why ministers don't talk about it a lot. Maybe because it's complicated, and maybe because it's just something that we shrink back from, but it's so important. In fact, I'll tell you you something today, and I mean this with all my heart. If you don't have the piece of the puzzle that I'm going to bring to you today, you'll have a very, very difficult time. In fact, let's just go ahead and say the obvious. You'll have an impossible time understanding life. If, if you don't have the piece of the puzzle that we're going to talk about today, you're going to be walking away, shrugging your shoulders, and saying, I don't understand it all. Even if you follow Jesus, you're going to have a hard time understanding what you see out there in life. And you'll always sort of be covering over in your thinking this obvious truth that we're going to talk about today. Let me, let me say this to you. How many times do we watch something happen in the culture? The culture will set a man or woman up as a hero, somebody to look up to, some sort of cultural icon. And then that person will slip and fall into some kind of disappointing thing that makes us all sad, and we have a hard time believing that something like that could happen in this person's life. And what, what do we think at that point? We think that person is a hypocrite. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is somebody who artic- articulates one set of values and lives according to another set of values. In other words, we think when, when somebody like really slips up, you know, a Richard Nixon or Bill Clinton in politics, or whether we're talking about some high profile entertainer or we're talking about somebody even from the religious world, we just sort of figure that the problem with this guy or this girl is that all along they had a set of values that they were living their lives according to, and they were saying one thing, but they were doing another thing. And so we look at them, we say, that person's a hypocrite. And what we do at that moment is, as a culture, we pretty well throw that person away and we say, well, that person's just a bad person because deep inside, we have been taught, or at least life has led us to think this. Good people do good things and bad people do bad things. We thought this person was a good person, but we've discovered this person is a bad person. So we're gonna wad them up and toss them in the trash. Because, why? Because they articulated one set of values, but they were living their life according to another set of values. Now my question for us today is, how sure of of that are you? How sure are you that they really did live their lives according to the set of values that they held? How do you know that they lived, actually they held good values, but they couldn't live according to the values that they held? And before you say, well Mark, don't be too easy, could I ask you a question? Do you always live according to your values? I mean, the things that you do, are they always consistent with your values? It's always easy for us to knock somebody else who falls, who articulated one set of values and slipped and fell, and it's so easy for us to wad that person up and toss them away, but I want to ask you today, are you living according to the values that you hold? Or, in your more private moments, when nobody else is looking and nobody else is watching and nobody else knows what you're thinking, do you have... A dark side you know I've been talking to you about high-profile failures and, and last November the, the Christian world was rocked by scandal a pastor in Colorado who was the head of the National Association of Evangelicals was found in the worst kind of stuff and men it hit the newspapers it hit the media hit television and everybody's saying well the guy's a hypocrite because evidently he's saying one thing in the pulpit but he's living something else but I want you to hear a piece. Of the letter he wrote to the congregation I want you to think about how it bears on what I've been just discussing with you here's what he said I am a deceiver and a liar there is a part of my life that is so repulsive and dark that I've been warring against it all of my adult life for extended periods of time I would enjoy victory and rejoice in freedom then from time to time the dirt that I thought was gone would resurface and I would find myself thinking thoughts and experiencing desires listen to this that were contrary to everything i believe and teach what ted haggard was saying is i don't believe the values that i was living my life according to i was holding one set of values in here but i was living out something else and i found it also interesting that he said there was a dark side to him now most of us will never rise as high as the kind of people i'm talking about nor will we ever fall as far But we're in that little parenthesis also, because there's one side of us that holds a high standard of values, but there's also a dark side to each and every one of us. And I hope that doesn't come as news to you, but it's true. You have it, and I have it. You say, well, I don't know that I have it. I'm really a pretty good person. (laughs) Well, maybe you can give the rest of us some advice. (laughs) But the good thing about it is if you're one of those really cool people and you don't have a dark side, you're on the other team from Apostle Paul. I would say just just my evaluation and I'm not important but as far as the people that I read about probably the greatest man outside of Jesus Christ was Paul I mean God used him to take the the gospel all over the world three missionary journeys he wrote 13 books out of the 27 books of the New Testament he was an awesome guy I mean 39 years of ministry and he spent 13 years in prison for preaching the truth I mean here is a guy that I look up to and say man if there was a Mount Rushmore in the Bible Paul would be there And yet, here's what Paul said. I read some of this to you on Christmas Eve. In Romans 7, he said, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. Oh, can't and don't are interesting words there, right? I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I have God's law with all my, I love God's law with all my heart, but, and look at this, there is another power within me. Now, not just because we're we're talking about Star Wars today, but you can read that word power, force, but not in a good sense, in a negative sense. He said there is another power within me. He didn't say it's my wife's fault. Or it's my kid's fault, or it's the way I was brought up. He said there is another force within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Now, my guess is this. That in your heart of hearts, when Paul talks like that, I'm guessing you're thinking, I know what he means. I know what he means when he said, I want to do what's right, but I don't. I want to do what pleases God, but I can't seem to get there. See, that's why I'm saying it's so interesting. You know, Prevailing thought today is good people do good things, bad people do bad things. I know I may be a bad person now, but if I can just cover it up long enough, maybe I'll become a good person and I can start doing good things. And yet what the Bible is teaching us this morning is that we have a dark side and my guess is as well that if everybody knew everything that you did or have done they would recoil or let me ask this because a lot of us would say well i don't really know i mean i really kind of behaved pretty well in my life what if everybody knew what you thought about doing but you never acted on because see that's the dark side i mean i grew up in church i'm thankful for good parents who taught me a lot of life's disciplines And thankfully that's kept me out of a whole lot of trouble but if I had to look at my life about what I thought about doing from time to time maybe never acted on but thought about it I would ask myself where does that come from it comes from the dark side Paul said it's more complicated than good people do good things and bad people do bad things and maybe I'm bad now but I'm gonna be good someday what Paul is saying is there is a force within us a dark side so that being the case three questions what is the force how did it get there? What can I do about it? Let's deal with the first two right now. What is the force, and how did it get inside of us? What, is, what about this, this element of our life that's the dark side? Now, one thing I want to share with you this morning, and I said we're going to kind of do some work, so this is from the next few moments. there's going to be a little bit of a technical aspect of what we're going to talk about. The Bible uses code words. And you should also understand, I'm not pulling this, these concepts out of some obscure passage of Scripture. If you read the New Testament, this is over and over and over and over and over. God talks about these two code words. Paul said there's a battle going on between two natures. One, the first code word is the flesh. The flesh is a code word for the dark side. Spirit, that is a code word for God living in us, God's Holy Spirit, that recalibrates us to right thinking. So, over and over and over, there's this battle between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh is the dark side. Let's talk about it. Where did we get it? We well, have to go back to the very first part of the Bible. God put in the garden Adam and Eve. Now, I know the moment I say Adam and Eve, some, some of you may recoil because you say, well, man, I, I went to college, and, and I know that, you know, I know all about life and how it got started and the idea of adam and eve that's kind of a myth and i have a hard time with that well let me just say this and i'm not trying to be argumentative but i'm just going to tell you what's on my heart and what i'm thinking all of us here today every single one of us came here through procreation right that's simple enough well there had to be a first man and a first woman someplace so if you make fun of me for saying adam and eve just realize this you had to have a first man and a first woman. I believe they got here through an intelligent God who made the complex life that we know. And you have to believe that it happened by random accidental chance. So I don't know what your Adam and Eve is. I know what my Adam and Eve is. So let me just say that. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be hard about it. I'm just calling the the spade a spade. Now, the Bible says that when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, they were in a perfect situation. They had no, no problem. They had no dark side. I mean, one of the aspects of, 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 of creation was that God put them in this perfect garden and he gave them everything they could ever want, paradise, they were, like, they were like talking back and forth with God every day, they were having this great time. They had no guilt, they had no shame, they had no baggage. And God said, you can have anything you want. But he said, there is a tree in the middle of this garden that contains the knowledge of the dark side. And God said, you don't need it, you don't want it, don't eat it. Because he said, the day you eat it, You will die. Real quickly, Lucifer came along. Lucifer had been an angel. God had created him long before the world was ever created. Angels are special messengers, they're special assistants that God had created for himself. Lucifer stood in the mirror too long, got thinking about how good he looked, thought, Why is God God? I can be God. And he led about a third of the angels in a revolution against God, and God thumped him out of heaven. But when God's world was there, Lucifer was still smoldering from what happened. And he decided he was going to do everything he could to mess God's creation up. And so he came to Eve and he said, hey, did God tell you, that you, would die if you didn't eat it, that you would die if you ate of that tree? Lucifer said, let me tell you, just like Darth Sidious told Anakin. He said, the dark side is what you're after. Because when you get the dark side, you're going to know everything and you're going to be just like God. And he talked Eve into it. She ate the fruit. She gave it to Adam. Adam ate the fruit. And that's where human beings got the dark side. But now I want to go back to something for a moment, because somebody could say, well, Mark, I've read the Bible, and God said, you know, if you eat the fruit, you're going to die. And if I read the Bible, Adam and Eve lived for a long time after that. God said, the day you eat of it, you're going to die. Here's what's so complicated but so important. You and I only have one concept of death, and that is physical death. That's what we know about. When we go to a funeral, we see the trappings of physical death. But you don't have one part. You have three parts. You are body- soul and spirit so all we know about is the death of the body and death does not as i share with you in the glimpse series death does not mean you stop living it means separation the greek word thanatos just means separation that's where we get a word death so basically what happens at physical death is the body is separated from the soul and spirit that's why a person goes on living after they die it's just the body dropping off so I want to go back to that for a moment. When God told Adam and Eve, you're gonna die, he wasn't saying you're gonna kill over dead in the garden and your bodies are gonna be dead. What he said was you're going to die spiritually. Your spirit is going to keel over. You'll still have your body, you'll still have your soul, your cognitive, reasoning, and emotional powers, but they would not have the spirit. Why is the spirit so important? Remember, I said it's between the flesh and the spirit? Because here's the deal: until you accept Jesus Christ, you only have one nature you only have the flesh because the spirit is dead it happened at the garden spirit your spirit is your apparatus for communication with God that's how you can talk with God that's how you can receive things from God you know I'm talking to some of you here today and before you accepted Jesus Christ church was a bore the Bible was irrelevant God was just didn't make any sense at all but there was a point at which you said, I don't have to understand everything, but I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, and it just reoriented everything. Suddenly, you could go to church, and it was like God was talking to you. It was like you could read the Bible, and it was making sense. Why? Because you came spiritually alive. Suddenly, you have that apparatus for communication with God. I may be talking to some of you here today, you're religious, but it's never, you've never really come spiritually alive. It's really important. I love to tell the story. I know I've told it many, many times before, but still love to tell it. When I and back in the late seventies, how many? Old, I, you don't have to say oh. Uh, <laughs> how many of you can remember the CB craze? Would you raise your hand? Okay, all right. I mean, there was there, this. I know for a lot of you that are in the technical age, you know, in the information age, you're going to think we're nuts because, you know, this is so rudimentary. But people got into having a CB radio in their car. Up until that time, basically truckers had CB radios, and a few people. Man, all of a sudden, everybody had to have a Citizen's Band radio in your car. You had the antenna coming out of your deck or off the top of your, your, your roof, and you had a little CB radio in there and a microphone, and you could talk to people. Get out on the highway, you just open up, start talking, to see if anybody else wanted want to talk back with you. And I had to have one. I mean, I had a brand-new car. I had a brand-new 77 Cutlass and... I was really proud of that car, and it looked good. But I just decided, you know, one thing they'll lackest, I need to have a CB radio in my car. And boy, I was so proud! I had the antenna back there on my trunk, you know, and uh, driving around and looking cool, and, and they had the CB radio there. But the only problem was the only place you could put the CB radio in that car was just like right under the dash, you know, right there by the entry. And so every time I get in the car, I bang my knee on on the CB radio and I never talked to anybody. I never did not know the numbers. You know, you had to say the numbers, you know, and, and I didn't know the numbers, and I never wanted to talk to anybody, but I just want to drive around and look cool. So I decided what I would do is I'd just pull the CD radio out, and I did, put it in the trunk, but I left the antenna up. Look cool. I'm driving around, you know, I've got the antenna. Mary Allison and I are driving to Houston on I-45, and, and, and this trucker pulled up next to me in the lane adjacent to me there on, on I-45, and real pleasant guy, real friendly guy, you know, he's just driving a semi coming down the road, and, and all of a sudden he pulls out his microphone, and he points to it. <laughs> That's his way of telling me he wants to talk to me, and so he kept pointing to it, and he honked his horn, but I can't talk to him. My CB's in the trunk, but I got the antenna, <laughs> Now, there are people like that today. You know, they go to church, they do the religious gig, and they may even have the antenna that says, I'm a follower of Jesus, but they've never come spiritually alive. I think I've probably pastored many, many people like that through the years. See, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they sinned, they died spiritually. There was no way to communicate with God anymore. They were alive physically, they were alive mentally and emotionally, but they did not have that spirit. All they had was the dark side. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, that was their problem, right? Wrong. That was your problem and my problem, because they were the first parents. And just like sometimes parents will pass diseases on to their kids, Adam and Eve passed the dark side on to their children. I mean, read Genesis. I mean, one of their sons murdered another one of their sons. I mean, it was just a, from that point on, it was the dark side, and it spread. Listen to this, Romans 5:12, one of the most important verses in your Bible. Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, and death as the result of sin, so death spread to all men, no one being able to stop it or to escape its power because all sin. Now, somebody could be here today, and you just say, well, I don't think that's really fair that Adam and Eve could eat the fruit and mess me up. Well, have you lived a perfect life? If you have, I guess you can throw it up in their faces. But the Bible says we all have a dark side. Nobody was able to stop it. Nobody could resist its power. The dark side prevailed until one person came into our world and that is why I was sharing with you all through through the Christmas season that's why it's good to put the lights on that's why it's good to celebrate because the dark side was there and none of us could stop it until he showed up now I want to do something I don't normally do I want to read a lengthy portion of text but you got to hear this this is just too good to shorten Romans chapter 5 verse 14 what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about Adam and we're going to talk about Jesus what Adam's sin did to us, and what Jesus did for us. So here we go. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come, but there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. I love that, don't you? Get, give him glory today. <laughs> you say, it's not fair that one man's sin could make me a sinner that'd be true if I hadn't sinned let me tell you what's not fair let me tell you what's not equitable let me tell you what's not reasonable it's not that one man's sin can make me a sinner it's that one man's obedience can make me righteous that's what's not fair that's what's not reasonable now For all of you who struggle from time to time to understand, why did Jesus say you have to be born again? Why didn't he just say you need to be saved? For all of you who've wondered through the years, why did Jesus say you have to be born again? We're about to figure it out. In John 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He's the most religious man in Israel, but he's not saved. He's got an antenna on his deck, but he's not got any apparatus for communication with God. Jesus said to him, flesh, remember the code word? Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. That's why it makes all the sense in the world, because you were born with the dark side. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And if you don't get born again, you'll ride that train all the way to the end. But God doesn't want you to do that he wants you to be born of the Spirit so that your spirit will come alive and you'll have that apparatus for communication with God and so here you are today many of us have accepted Jesus Christ we've already determined to become a follower of Jesus we have been born of the flesh and we have been born of the Spirit and we we now have all three parts of us cooking and firing and there we are but I think I just left you with the obvious didn't I because when God came along to birth you into his family and to make you new and to make you spiritually alive he didn't take the dark side away and that is why you do things and think things that amaze you and you ask yourself could i be could i really be saved how could a saved person think that way how could a christian do something like that well, that's the battle. That's why Paul said it's a battle going on all the time. He said, I want to please God, but I don't. I, I'd like to do right, but I can't. And I see this other force in me that's warring, battling my mind. I'll need to finish what Paul said a few moments ago. In Romans 7, same chapter that he, when he was talking about, I'd like to do right, but I can't. He said, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, my Lord. Let's get practical, because I'm about out of time here. Let's get real practical. What do we do to deal with the dark side? I've told you how we got it, or what it is, but let's deal with the third question right now. What do you do about the dark side? Because you're going to have it the rest of your physical life. As long as your body is alive, you will have the dark side. Four things. I don't usually like to give you lists, but these are four keys. That i just got to give you all four. Here's number one. Recognize the battlefield. If you don't realize you have a flesh and a spirit, you're always going to be puzzled about why you think the way you think. If something comes to your mind and you know it's cruddy and it's awful, you got to say, that is the dark side. That's my flesh. It's not God's spirit. It's the dark side. I'm born with that. I'm going to deal with that the rest of my life, but at least I know what's going on in my life. God hasn't abandoned me. God hasn't forgotten me. He's not going to write me out of his kingdom. I'm just dealing with the dark side. And I'm not saying give yourself permission to act on what the dark side says, but at least identify it. When when the flesh comes up in your life, identify it. Rebuke it for what it is and say, that is my flesh. Recognize the battlefield. And, you know, it's really important at that moment to recognize that you are in a battle. Here's number two. Check out where you have your yield signs placed. This is where it gets complicated for me. I know what I'm about to say is true, but I'm not sure I could write a treatise on it. Although you have the dark side in your life, and if you're a born-again person, you have the Spirit of God, you also have yourself at the controls. You can choose whether to obey the dark side, or you can choose whether to obey the Spirit of God. You are the sovereign agent at that moment. You have to know where you have the yield signs placed. The habits of your life really are just yield signs that you've put up to either yield to the dark side or to yield to the Spirit of God. So where do you have the yield signs placed? Who do you yield to? The Bible says this in Romans 6, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So you and I have a choice to make. We can either yield to the impulses of the dark side or we can yield to the impulses of the holy spirit but it is important for me to look at my life and say where do i have the yield signs placed because my guess is if i look very closely at my life i'm going to discover that there are there are some places in my life where i have accommodated the dark side i've just simply bought into it and said okay this is i can't change maybe this is okay for me or there are places in my life where i have the yield sign placed to god for instance if you're if you're regular and you attend church Every weekend, that's because you've placed a yield sign right there, and you've yielded to the Spirit of God. And that now has become routine in your life because you have that yield sign placed placed there. If you read your Bible every day, if you pray every day, what you've done is you've just placed a yield sign by the Spirit of God, and every day you pass that sign, and you just obey that. It's as simple as that. This is not rocket science. Where do you have the yield signs placed? Number three is huge. Don't accept a double life. Throughout my ministry, and really all my life, I guess, I've watched this happen. There are people that realize they have a dark side, and they have God's Spirit living in them, and they just give up and say, well, I guess I'm just going to have to accept the fact that I'm never going to change. And they begin at that moment to live a double life. That's where dishonesty and hypocrisy comes in. You know, you you just never accept a double life. Now, be honest. I mean, God can always do business with honest people. If you say God I'm, I'm struggling with substance abuse here I thought I had to lick but it's back or God I you know I, I, I lost my temper and I cussed and I said some things that shouldn't come out of a Christian's mouth I mean you go tell God don't accept a double life don't accept the fact that well I guess I'm just gonna talk filthy when I'm at work but I'm gonna clean up my act when I'm in church no it'd be, it'd be better just come here to church and tell us hey you know what I'm really struggling to get get my act right I mean we can deal with that because all of us have a dark side What we can't deal with, what the family of God can't deal with, and what you can't live with is accepting a dark side in your life and having that just be the norm and then switching over and living some other life. God can always do business with honest people. Don't accept a double life. Number four, in all your struggles and all your frustrations with dealing with the side of you that you don't like, just remember there's coming a day when you will lose it. That is why you and I have to die physically. Or if the rapture takes place, that is why, as 1 Corinthians 15 says, we have to be changed before we can go. We have to drop that dark side off. And that will happen whenever you die or whenever Jesus comes back. And i got to tell you, folks, I'm looking forward to the day when I won't have to deal with the side of me that I don't like very much. When that force, when that power, when that compulsion that I wrestle with every day of my life when it's over I'm going to be happy and throughout eternity you'll live without it now I want to talk to you about one thing and I'll be through what happens with our culture when somebody falls we wad them up and we throw them away whether we're talking about a political candidate or we're talking about a sports figure entertainment figure we just say we thought this person was good but now we see he's bad so Wad him up and throw him away. Do you know why our culture does that? It's because they can't do anything with that person. Our culture doesn't know what to do with people who act out on the dark side, even though we all do. But the thing I love about Jesus, he doesn't throw people away when they fall. Because we've all fallen, haven't we? He knows what to do. That's why I hope when you come into this church, I hope that you don't feel rejection. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever you've felt, you know, I hope that you don't feel like we don't want you because I guarantee you every person in this place, including your pastor, has a dark side and has things in our lives that we wish weren't there. But the good news is there is somebody that we worship who can do something with your dark side. He can wash your sins away. He can forgive you. He can put his spirit within you. And, yes, you'll have a battle. But as Paul said, ultimately, we're going to have victory because we'll have victory through Jesus. We fell through Adam. We rise